Stories of the human spirit, candid conversations about action, passion, and love. The law of action is about living in balance, moving forward with momentum in inspired action. Overcome challenges, create success, amplify your life, and achieve things you never thought possible. It's all waiting for you. If you're ready to break through your fears and live your life in massive action, this is the show for you. He's a best-selling author, speaker, advisor, your host, Mr. Action himself, Rob Actis. Welcome to the show. Today is really, really exciting for me, and I hope it's exciting for you. We are doing the Living the Law of Action show on Clubhouse. We have an audience, which is really cool because it really keeps me and my guests on their toes because there's no editing. What you hear today is what happened today. So we are so excited to be here. My guest today is absolutely amazing. He is, he is fearless. He is someone who lives a life of inspired action. And I have to say, he is becoming a very dear friend. He is, well, He's all kinds of things, but I know him because he has created a podcast called The Commercial Break, along with his dear friend, Hoadley, whose birthday is this weekend, so she's not here, so I'm going to bring her back another time. But i got to tell you, he's amazing, and I am so excited to have Brian Green on the show. Hey, Brian. Hey, Rob. Thank you so much. I'm just honored to be here in your first clubhouse uh, podcast recording. This is exciting technology and what a, what a great way to enter it. Thank yeah, you very much. Absolutely. So, all right, just give me a little bit of background. Now I know you're in commercial real estate. That's what I do at a day job. Yep. The real job, the nine to five, actually probably like, um, six to, to midnight and <laughs> along with clubhouse. <laughs> midnight to midnight. Yeah. Well, well just share uh, Share with the audience just a little bit of your background, because you were in radio like me, and you just have had a lot of, of experiences in life, and I want them to get a, a, just a foundation of who Brian Green is, and then we're going to do a deep dive into find out what makes you tick. Sure. Thanks so much, Rob. I, and again, I really appreciate you having me. So uh, I'm just a boy from Chicago. I was born uh, in Chicago. My family, my extended family had lived there for for many years, we were born and uh, I was born kind of uh, middle class. My dad worked in the meatpacking industry, which Chicago is famous for the stockyards. And so that's why he was in there coming out of the uh, Vietnam War. And we moved here to Atlanta, where I currently live, when I was about 12 or 13 years old. And that was kind of a life shift for everybody and, you know, difficult in ways and then wonderful in ways. And when we moved here to Atlanta, at least for me, um, started to realize that my mother um, was sick and not sick in a physical way, but sick in a mental way. It really came to the forefront when we moved here to Atlanta. And I think part of that was moving away from her family. And part of that may have just been, you know, as she, as she was aging, the, the, the mental illness kind of took hold. And so my teenage years were rather difficult. The school, the school years were rather difficult. And I kind of, had to fend for myself and I was the oldest of four boys and I decided to take care of myself uh, and that led to lots of wonderful things happening that led to lots of trouble that led to all the things you would imagine a young man just kind of starting to fend for himself without a lot of guidance <laughs> it all kind of happened and those experiences wonderful and not so wonderful were transformative in so many ways that uh 
that I would never take it back for, for a dollar. And I guess we can get into some of those as we, as we go on. But in my twenties, um, I started working in the restaurant business. So really in the, in my teens, I started working in the restaurant business and I met, just started meeting some wonderful people as the restaurant business tends to attract kind of the creative types and, you know, the free thinkers and, and people who are, who are really open-minded. Um, I think the restaurant industry is kind of a repository for some of those people. And I met a guy named Raphael, who's my best friend to this day. And Raphael started introducing me to things uh, like mindfulness and meditation. And I'd always been interested in, in Buddhism and kind of Eastern philosophy. And, and uh, he introduced me to Tantra and all different kinds of things. And that meeting was that meeting of him and I was absolutely transformative. And it sent me off in a direction that I could have never expected uh, just a, a few years earlier. And as I went down that path and just started getting more involved in it, um, it transformed my life in such an incredibly positive way that to this day, I still maintain some of those practices. And I think they're super beneficial. Um, but in my mid twenties, I got a job, um, as far as professional career is concerned in my mid twenties, I got a job, uh, on the early internets. When Google came about, there were some marketing companies that were popping up, benefiting from search engine optimization. They were kind of learning how to do this manipulation of Google and of Yahoo. And I was with a company that had four people when we started, had about a hundred people when we left, it was, um, it was one of those rocket ship success stories. When I left there, I went into Clear Channel Radio, and Clear Channel Radio, I had always been super interested in radio ever since I was a little kid, making tapes about, you know, make, making tapes, pretending I was on the radio, and with my friends, we would, you know, make talk shows and, and just do stupid, silly little stuff. Some of those tapes I still have. Absolutely. Oh, my and God, I got, I got hundreds of cassettes. Exactly. It's like hundreds of them. As yeah. I'm sitting here, I'm like, you know, I didn't, I knew a lot about you. I didn't know a lot about you. <laughs> I didn't know everything. We have followed the yeah. same path of life, like almost the same, except you're in Atlanta and I was in San Diego. Like, it's pretty crazy. Like, wow. The birds, birds of a feather, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah, I think that some of us, uh, I think there's a lot of us who have kind of the same well-worn path, which is we feel like outsiders and we don't feel like we have a lot of guys. You know, I always thought that I was just kind of a troublemaking, independent little kid, right? But as I grew up and as I started to go to therapy, which I would, you know, advise anybody. <laughs> we've to done do. we've done the deep work, you know. We've done the deep yeah, work. Yeah. I know you have, and I know I have, and yeah, I definitely recommend yeah. therapy. Yeah, I'm yeah, still I went going. To therapy. The therapist <laughs> pointed out to me, it's still going. That's right. She pointed out to me. She said, Brian, you keep on calling yourself like a troublemaking, independent spirit as a child, but I would argue that it's actually different. It's that you had to figure it out on your own because no one else was there for you. It's not that you were an independent troublemaker. It's that you were doing what you needed to do to survive. And as she, she told me that, like my whole mindset shifted. I was like, you know what? You might be fucking right. You might be right. Like that might be exactly what happened. And um, so to get back to Clear Channel, so I went to Clear Channel. Really, I wanted to be on the radio, but the only job they had was the director of interactive services for the Atlanta Cluster which means a number of radio stations that are all together, kind of like, you know, here in Atlanta in the Southeast. Yeah. And so I took the job hoping that some way, somehow, just being close to the microphones, I would be able to get on the radio. And I kept on bugging that program director here in Atlanta. I kept on bugging him. I kept on bugging him. And finally he said, you know what, Brian, have a damn show on this station. It was like a 
two watt station. I mean, it, it reached like three people. But he was like, have a damn show. Do it at three in the morning, which was recorded, of course. Do it at three in the morning, and you have to make me one promise. If I hear anything about this radio show, if I hear one bit of trouble coming out of this radio show, I'm yanking you off. Your day job is to be the director of interactive <laughs> services. And yeah, I got—I probably got pulled off that radio station five times in like the first month. I mean, it was just, I was just, I couldn't help myself. I, you know, I was supposed to just talk. Oh, let me just talk okay. for an hour and. So, Brian, when I was in college radio, um, I was pulled off of college radio, like actually physically pulled off college radio. Now, this was back in the early 80s, and uh, I was reading from the National Enquirer. It was funny because we were doing it before the other morning shows were doing that. They were reading The Star and The Sun, and we were reading the National Enquirer. I think I was reading the... I don't know. It was the weekly world news or whatever. It was some crazy where the aliens were always there, but they were talking about a stripogram. Mm-hmm. And I said one thing, I'll never forget it. All my radio friends teased me about this. And I said, and she pulls a lollipop from an undisclosed location. And, and then oh my God. I got physically ripped out of the studio. <laughs> and now can you imagine this was the early eighties. Can you imagine someone even having any, any upset about, anything anymore on the radio i mean you know yeah. hello howard stern but yeah well, we definitely yeah. I've, I've been kicked off a couple times <laughs> it just became it became a, it became that poor program director i mean all he want you know he was just trying to you know scratch my head and, and pat my butt and tell me you know okay go ahead and do your little radio show but i actually started getting invites from other stations around the country to you know fill in for this morning and we're talking about small stations we're not talking about even though i worked in the atlanta market it was a tiny little signal so no one i mean it maybe reached 30,000 people no one was really listening at 3 in the morning to this classic country station but other people started reaching out asking me if i would fill in for morning shows and all this other stuff and i did and i really loved it i mean i loved being behind that microphone uh, but when Clear Channel reshuffled, they got purchased. And when they reshuffled, they laid off about 30% of their workforce. And I was involved in that layoff process. And it just really just it kind of broke my heart, to be honest with you. I mean, you yeah, know, I'd let, I, and, and I knew that it had not, it, they claimed that it had to do with the 2008 crash, and maybe it did. But I knew that it had more to do with the private company just looking to reshuffle it so it could essentially, you know, sell it the pieces off. And it just broke my heart to lay, lay all those people off. And about four months after that um, layoff, there was a, it's a long story, but there was a guy who had a family and it was kind of like he was going to go, not because he was a bad person or manager, but because he was part of the layoff structure, kind of the last in first out type of rule. And I actually went and agreed to take the severance package. And I'm so glad that I did started an internet marketing company with my best friend, Raphael. Nice. We got a lot of, we got a lot of great clients. And that led me to the real estate world, which is a whole nother long story. And I don't want to get into all of it because I don't want to bore with the minutia, but somehow that led me to real estate. And when it led me to real estate, uh, I ended up buying the half of the company from my partner, Raphael. And I started putting together um, large financing for large commercial real estate projects, which is what I do today um, to this day. In between Clear Channel and the real estate, I started a streaming radio station called Simcole FM here in Atlanta. A guy who was working in the oil business, uh, believe it or not, a Nigerian oil man, <laughs> decided he was going to pay for this streaming radio station. He gave us a studio. He got us all the equipment. He was paying salaries. I mean, it was like a dream come true. And we had this wonderful streaming radio station 
Um, and then he just kind of bounced. He ghosted us. And it was a, ended up being a really terrible situation uh, at the end. And I, right after that, or, or while we were on Simcoe FM, I started uh, podcasts starting coming on the radar. And this is probably back in 2010 or 11. Podcasts started coming on my radi- radar, and I was super interested in it. But after Simcoe, I felt really bitten and really, um, I was heartbroken by the whole situation and the way that it went down. So I didn't think about it again until about two or three years ago when my wife, who um, we can talk about that story too, when my wife told me, you, you got to do like a vodcast or a vlog or something. And I started doing one about commercial real estate. I only, I only sent out, I mean, only broadcast two of them. Uh, but I met a dear friend, I met a, a friend of mine who I'd met at Clear Channel, Allison Risk Hare, told me, hey, man, you got to do a podcast, Brian. You have to do a podcast. And back in February of last year, she kicked my butt. And she told me, you got to get this podcast out in the air, which I did. And I am so glad that it happened because, I, we, Rob, we have achieved sex, success that I would have been, would not have imagined in a 10-year time period, let alone in a year. And um, yeah, it's amazing. part of that has been things like, yeah, you reaching out to us and do, doing the article, which was just amazing and, you know, lifted our podcast to a new level, the Hot 50, the whole nine yards, the charts, the you know, a couple hundred thousand listeners so far. It's just, it's just really been crazy. And, and, and then it all culminates here on clubhouse where we're all currently sitting, wasting a lot of time and it's wonderful. It's just wonderful. I love clubhouse. I love podcasting. So, so yeah, I mean, that's like my life in a nutshell right there. Or you can go down a million different paths there, but uh, if you want to talk about it, I'm happy. To well, it's interesting. I'm looking at this and I moved out when I was 14 years old and I thought that I was an outsider troublemaker. It was amazing. Like, I'm just going yeah. down the path. I'm like, check. Okay, Brian did that. Okay. Um, we used to have an internet radio yeah. station called Rob Radio. Okay, I was on the radio. Got kicked <laughs> off. I mean, you know, it's funny. My wife teases me all the time. She's like, so is is Brian your new bromance? And I go, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just so funny. What's wrong with bromances? Not, nothing. It's great. Uh, it's, it's so wonderful. Uh, to be around someone like you and clubhouse is really uh fast forward our relationship like fast like in a matter of days we went from like we were acquaintances yeah. and we were talking and now you know you come out to arizona you're staying in my home you know that's the the power of clubhouse yeah. and and the community and just when you share yourselves to other people and truly connect on a human level um that's what life is all about. And and you moving out at 14, me moving out, it it doesn't it you don't become a victim. Like, you know, I haven't had a great childhood. You had an interesting childhood, and it doesn't make you a victim. It makes you someone that thrives because we have gone through that school of hard knocks. And you know, yeah. we're just like too dumb to know we can't do stuff. Well, like, really? Like we're just too dumb yeah, to know we I, can't I think do you're it. Right about that. Well, I think what it does is, first of all, I, I, I do best under incredibly stressful situations, right? I, I don't crack and I feel an inner motivation because I actually moved out when I, I was 17, not 14, but we moved here to Atlanta when I was 12. But when I moved out when I was 17, I mean, I mo- just get this, right? So my dad and I are not getting along at all. My mom is sick. She's in the hospital, you know, six months out of the year. She is literally in a, a, in a hospital, man, in a mental institution. Man, that's hard. The whole, 
family situation is just absolutely sideways. And I have brothers and they're wonderful, but they're all trying to figure it out too. It's just like everybody, every man fend for themselves. And one of the things that we never codified was kind of that intensely secure relationship with the brothers because the, the parental life was so chaotic. So when I was 17, I was working in the restaurant industry and somehow, some way we met, I met a stripper and that stripper became a friend, but you know, the whole group of strippers became friends with me and some of the guys that were working at the restaurant, you know, for obvious reasons. And she had an apartment and she says, listen, I'm going to go live with whoever. Do you want to sublet my apartment? And we said, yes, me and this other guy. And so I moved out over the weekend of which my dad was incredibly pissed off at me. He was, he was more pissed off that I took his bed than he was. I was moving out, I guess. But Within a month and a half, it turns out that those girls never moved out of the apartment and they were doing, you know, they were, I, I hate to call you know, use this phrase because I think it sounds dirty and I, I don't know that it always is, but they were turning tricks <clears throat> and they were taking our rent money and they weren't paying anything. And so there was an eviction notice on the door within a month. And I begged my dad to come back and he was like, no, you moved out, you moved out. So good, good luck to you. From that, from that moment on, I have always learned that I can figure it out no matter how against the wall I am, I will figure this out. There is an, there is another level inside of you, another level of motivation, another level of stick another level of in, ingenuity. You have to go through something like that to dig to that deeper level though. You can't sit on the throne and then expect that you're going to understand what it's like for the peasants. Right. But when you're a peasant, you understand what it's like to scrape for a potato. Yeah. And so I think that's why uh, guys like us and, and there are men of which there are many, many people. I think there's more people like this than there are you know, people sitting on the throne. They understand what it's like to have their back against the wall and have to figure it out all by themselves, all on their own. And while I hated my dad in that moment, we have a great relationship now. I hated my dad in that moment. I can't do anything but thank him now because he, he opened up a door inside of myself that I never knew I had. Right. And it's so it's just one of those things that, you know, we're, we're outsiders. And, yeah, we might be, you know, a bit of troublemakers sometimes. But the truth is, is that if you're down and out, I guarantee Rob is the guy you want to call. Right. Or Brian is the guy you want to call because we'll help you figure it out because we have been there before. And we're scrappy. So we're scrappy. I, I mean, yeah, so I went to uh, go live in Denver when I was 18 years old and I went to go start a radio station. Well, I didn't start a radio station. I ended up working in the accounting department and I just thought that was terrible. Well, fast forward to I just got sick and tired of, well, I'll just tell you, I became a stripper at 18 years old and it was so much fun. Well, I worked for this oil and gas company and I used to drive around the Morgan family and the Mellons looking at real estate property because they were developers. And um, mm. they didn't like that because they just didn't like that. And so I just said, you know what? I'm not making any money yeah. and I'm just going to go back. You promised me to be on the radio and I'm not on the radio. So I'm moving back to San Diego. And so I moved back. My mom said, you can live with me for two weeks. You're going to find a place. You're going to figure it out. And I'm like, what? I mean, I, you know, I just was devastated. And so seriously, yeah. I had to move out and I moved in to a place in a really bad neighborhood in, uh, in San Diego. Um, there were gang fights, Asian gang fights all the time. There was gun, fun, gunfire, but I moved out and, um, I figured it out. I, I, I ate a lot of, uh, macaroni and cheese and I had a roommate who 
I don't even go into that, but you you just figure it yeah. out. And and I, I, I don't change my difficult childhood for anything because, and I, I think that you and I are the same in this, in that we are, di- are different and we're troublemakers, but we're not troublemakers. We're adapters and we figure it out and we don't expect anything. I don't expect anything. I know, I know you well enough to know no. that you don't expect anything. Everything that we have, we go out and we get, and we do it in a way that is honorable because I too had someone of the spiritual realm when I was going through all this and they shared with me Tantra and she was amazing. She taught me uh, meditation and gratitude and that has carried me through all of the hardships that I've had. I had a, a, a terrible marriage yeah. and meditation got me through that. Um, gratitude of just being alive got me through that. And do you have ADHD? I'm just curious. No, I don't. I, actually, so we're I don't, the opposite so the in there. Thing. Got it. Okay. Yeah, well, here's the interesting thing. I was diagnosed with um, ADD when I was a child, but it was the go-go 90s when everybody was diagnosed with ADD and ADHD because the, the pharmaceutical companies had figured out that, you know, crystal meth in a bottle was, it was good for that. Now, we can debate that all day long, but so they gave me the medication. And they made it, I had a horrible reaction to this medication, and they ended up taking me to another child psychologist. This was right when we moved to Atlanta. And I think really, quite frankly, the reason why I was unfocused is because I was scared and uncomfortable and in a weird situation. And when I went to the second child psychologist for a second opinion, because I was having a reaction to the medication, the guy was like, you don't, you don't have a child that has ADD. You have a child that is feeling really uncomfortable in his circumstances. Right. And so you need to focus on that and stop medicating your child. And I'm sure glad that that he did. Now, I think that, you know, that this is a real syndrome, and I believe that there are many people out there who have it and need help with it and need medication for it. Um, I just really had a horrible reaction to it. Let me, can I tell you a story for a second, <clears throat> if you don't mind? I don't mind. Tell me a story. Tell me a story, Brian. Brian, so tell me I a story. Tell you how, I want to tell you how I went my wife, how I met my wife. <clears throat> so my best friend, Raphael, the guy that we've been talking about, my kind of my spiritual shepherd, the guy who showed up in my life to send me off in a totally different direction from another universe, right? So he comes and he, and he shepherds me through and says, hey, you're doing it the wrong way. You got the right idea, but you're doing it the wrong way. Let me show you how. His father had cancer. His father was really quite like a father to me too. His father had cancer, inoperable prostate cancer, and he became really sick really quickly. And so we started going to North Carolina, we, me and Raphael and some other guys my age who knew Raphael's father, we started going up to North Carolina and spending weekends with him just to, you know, play some music and cheer him up. He, got, he was on a pretty much bedridden at that point. So we go there one night and there's a bunch of us. It's probably like 10 or 15. And his wife, her name is Maddie Yehi. Maddie Yehi cooks us a nice big dinner and, you know, we order, order some, you know, get some wine and order some extra takeout food. And so it's just a big, wonderful, having a great time with this man who is obviously dying. Mediahi had her sister in town. Her sister was in town. They come home about half, or she comes home about halfway through the dinner, and Mediahi starts saying in Spanish, you know, we need to show Brian your daughter, Mediahi's sister, your daughter. Her name is Astrid. And they break out a picture from the bookcase. They break out a picture, and it's this beautiful uh, 
woman. And I'm like, wow, she's gorgeous. I can't believe all these years I've known Raphael. I've never. And they're like, oh, you probably have. She might have been at a party, blah, 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 blah. She would have been much younger than you. But, you know, she was at this party. And she says, we should set the two of you up because I had I had just broken up with a girlfriend. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be set up with anybody. She's young. She's in Venezuela. What am I going to do? After a couple of drinks, Medier, he says, I'm going to text Astrid and tell her the two of you need to, to connect. And I'm like, Medier, please don't do that. She's in Venezuela, and the poor girl's younger than I am. What, what the hell do we have in common? We have nothing in common, and she's in Venezuela. What am I going to do? Even if I like her, she's in Venezuela. So she texts her, and Astrid texts back, I don't want to be set up, Medier, please don't do that. Like, I'm not interested in talking to this guy. Thank you very much. Anyway, she sent a picture to, to Astrid. And I say, no, thank you. I don't want to be set up. Please don't text pictures to her. And then almost simultaneously, a couple of hours later, Medier, he gets a text, and I tell Medier, for whatever reason, and I don't, ever, I don't even know why I said this to Medier, I said, give her my Facebook page, and maybe we'll connect. And at almost the exact same moment, Astrid said to Medier, he via text, give him my Facebook page, maybe we'll connect. And by the end of the night, I had texted or I had uh, DM'd Astrid via Facebook, and within 24 hours, we started talking, and we never stopped. She was the love of my life, and she was meant to be here. And we have two children, and now we're married. And I followed her around the world to make sure that I could get her back to the United States and, and living with me and starting a family. Those moments, right, happened because I was open to them happening, because I, I listened to whatever little voice inside of my head was telling me, and, and so did Astrid, right? Those moments happened. And I don't think I would have ever been aware of that inner voice, of that universal language, that whatever it is, the woo, whatever, whatever you want to call it, right? If you believe in it or you don't believe in it, sometimes things just absolutely happen for a reason, and sometimes they're meant to be. I don't think I would have been open to that had I not taken a very long way around the curve, being – uh, having a really difficult childhood and striking out on my own and going through all of these experiences and knocking my head against the wall because eventually it led me to ask the question, there has got to be a better way. And when I found it, I knew what it was, and that was the path of self-awareness and you know the universal law of you know woo or whatever you want to call it, attraction or whatever you want to call it. I did that was out of a I, I found that out of a sense of desperation. And I tell that story about Astrid because the reason why I started paying attention to those little voices in my head that were telling me, you know what, Brian, for whatever reason, you need to go and tell Medier, he, you know, that you'll Facebook this girl. Don't be me. Don't be a dick. You know, maybe, maybe she can become a friend of yours. And all I, I, I think had I just continued to knock my head against the wall, I just would be kind of an egotistical little shit. And I'm so glad that I had that difficult childhood because it led me to where I am today. And with a sense of open-mindedness and with a sense of self-awareness and gratitude and humility, all of those things came because I had a difficult childhood, because I was, quote-unquote, a, you know, a troublemaking outsider. I, I wouldn't have it any other way, Rob. I just wouldn't, not, not in a million years. I wouldn't trade all the trouble and the pain and the strife and, you know, the cold nights on the street. I wouldn't change it for a thing. I'd do it all over again the exact same way. Absolutely. I'm the same way. And congratulations. I see Astrid in the audience supporting you. That's so wonderful. Both on Clubhouse. And I'm excited to meet her. And love you, of my life. Absolutely. I got it. I can feel it. I love that. You know, what's really great about it is that it's based really, if you look at it, it's the law of action. It's decide, plan and act. And you created momentum. And when you break through your fear and you live 
in inspired action. So you saw possibility there and you could have gone a different path. So you could have gone, okay, decide, you know what? I'm alone. I'd like to meet someone. Got it. Plan. You're doing this. You're going. And back then, you know how you're meeting people and then plan some more. And then he tells you about um, Astrid and you're like, no. And then you're like, well, maybe we need to, you know, find out more information and all this stuff and plan, plan, plan. And then what could have happened is you could have never met because someone could have jumped in for you or someone could have jumped in for her. And instead, you mm-hmm. jumped in both feet and massive inspired action. When you do that, the universe takes notice of that. And I know you can attest to this. When you play at a different level, when you play at the level in momentum of deciding, planning, and taking inspired action, it creates a momentum in your life and magic happens. And it's like new people that you never thought would be in your life appear in your life and new opportunities yeah. appear in your life. And it's a, I've, I've discovered from people that are really, really successful, they decide, they plan, and they act, and they don't let fear stop them. They're always in momentum, and they're not stuck in that planning stage. So the question I have for you is, how do you create momentum in your life? How do you break through your fear? How do you like live a life of inspired action? Because you do, you're a go-getter. You do, you do, you do. The conversations that we've had offline of what we're planning to do, big, big things. And it's all based on, we don't even know, it's, we have a, there's not even a possibility of failure. We're just like laying the groundwork yeah. to make it happen. How do you do that? <clears throat> yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think that I, I think you said it earlier. I think I'm almost too stupid not to know the difference, right? So I, it, it, and it's not about stupidity. It's because, because of things like meeting Astrid, if you said to any other, if you said to most human beings, there is a guy in another country, right? That's, you know, a couple of years, you're, you're junior and you don't know him and nothing. Um, but you, you know, would, would you be interested in meeting him and, because I guarantee you guys are going to fall in love. I mean, at the end of the day, most people would say, no, what are you talking about? I'm not going to meet somebody in another country. Thanks anyway, but I really appreciate it. But I was absolutely open to the possibilities, and we never let ourselves say no. We always said, yes, we're going to find a way to get there. I'm going to find a way to get to Europe, and she went. She ended up going to school in Switzerland to get her master's degree. I'm like, I'm going to find a way to get there. We're going to find a way to be together. I'm going to, I'm going to meet you where you're at, and I'm going to do it. You, I just don't – the word no – is like a sin to me. And I don't yeah. I believe in the possibilities. I don't believe in the negativities. I believe in the possibilities. Absolutely. So and, you, when, and I know you come from abundance. So Listening to you talk yeah. and we're the same way is that no scarcity, it's abundance. So like if something's happening, no, we look at the glass always as half full, never half empty. Absolutely. Like it's always a possibility for something to happen in our life of magnitude and just it's just amazing stuff. And, and that's something I really admire about you, Brian. When Steve Olsher said last night, um, we were on a, a clubhouse with Steve Olsher, and we won't go through every, every detail because I don't know if we need to go down that rabbit hole. But Steve Olsher said something that I found very interesting and that I've been thinking to myself. He said, I told my wife, give clubhouse six months. Give me six months on clubhouse. You know, endure the inconvenience for six months because if I'm right, then this is going to be the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in, in my business, in my personal life, if I'm right, right? And if I'm wrong, and then he goes, well, I don't think I'm going to be wrong. And so Steve Ulster said something that I, that I feel about a lot of things in my life. And now I have children, and you know, I, I guard against going down the, a totally crazy road sometimes, right? But, but that's just practicality, and I, I like to think of myself as a pragmatic human also. But 
when I see an opportunity, whether that be in love or in life or in business or whatever it is, I am always willing to see the possibility in it. Now, you know, as I get older, I get a little wiser. Sometimes I see trouble down the road and I go, eh, nah, you know, I've, I've been down that road and I've been bitten, but thank you anyway. But I see the possibility and I'm willing to at least go walk through the door and see what happens. Because I also believe that nothing happens by mistake. It never happens by mistake. So if I'm doing it and if I'm involved in it and if something's going on, then I'm there for a reason. There's either a lesson in it or there's love in it or there's you know life-changing events in it. One of the three things is happening. Um, but uh, I'm going to be there for it, period, end of sentence. Yeah, it's amazing with Clubhouse. I have never been involved in something. And when I'm involved in something, I am always checking to make sure that I am on the right track, that I'm in my flow. And success leaves clues. If you watch what's happening on Clubhouse and the people that are putting a massive amount of time, and even for myself, I'm looking at the results, and the results are phenomenal. I mean, the listeners for the Living the Law of Action show have increased. My engagement on Instagram has massively, I started on on Clubhouse, I had like 180, 200 people, and now I'm almost 2,000 followers on Instagram that are engaged with me and that are reaching out, and I'm transforming lives. So even if the monetary gain in six months is not there, the impact that I've been able to make, man, just from my core, it is amazing. And the relationships that I've been able to, to make on Clubhouse is worth it to me. I'm not motivated by money. I sometimes wish I was, but I'm not. I'm motivated mm -hmm. by transformation and inspiration, and it's been amazing. And, you know, I am having incredible friendships from Clubhouse. I mean, look at you and I. We yeah. text all the time, and, you know, we have that bromance going on, and that's amazing, and that's living a life of inspired action, of really enjoying the ride and being in your flow. And that's something that you have done, Brian, is you've been in your flow. No matter what obstacles, you keep going back to your flow, which is your voice and your intellect yeah. and your business sense and, you know, really your people, you, you know, your relationship with people. And that's what makes you, Brian, so special in that you're in your flow. When you go off track and you do other things, like I went and opened a day spa, that was not in my flow. My flow is to inspire and motivate and transform people's lives. That's my flow and use my voice doing that. And when I went the other way, there was all this friction. And I'm not a big fan of friction. So, yeah, that failed. And now I'm here and then yeah. things are really blowing up. So, yes. You know what I've found, Rob? I found that oftentimes you call, you call it flow. I just, you know, the path, whatever you want to call it. When I find that nine times out of 10, when I jump out of the flow or I jump out of, you know, when I, I'm always looking at a shiny object and I almost never get it. I'm, I'm always looking at a shiny object and it almost never gets into my hand, right? I always get, you know, not always, but I'm not, I'm get smarter as I go along. But every time that I move out of quote unquote flow, is when there's something shiny over there and I go, oh, look at that, I can get it real quick. And it almost never happens, right? Yeah. In, and I'm not talking about timing. I'm just saying that, you know, those, those shiny objects distract us sometimes. And that's, you know, I don't think that's how it works. So I, I've been in business ventures where I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna make a million dollars in 10 minutes. I don't like what I'm doing. I'm not really behind the product or the service. And I don't care for the person I'm gonna get involved with, but you know what? I could make a million dollars. Let me go over here. It always almost ends up you know, not being the right thing to do. Or, you know, when I was dating, oh my gosh, she's so freaking attractive. I don't have anything in common with her. And, you know, we don't really get along all that well, but let me continue to be in the relationship because she's attractive. 
those type of when you override what your gut is telling you or what the universe is telling you, it almost always lends itself to trouble. Almost always. Absolutely. And speaking of trouble, we're going to open up the floor. So here's what we're going to do. So we are recording. This is the Living the Law of Action show. We're recording right here live on Clubhouse. If you raise your hand, you want to ask myself or Brian a question, go ahead and raise your hand. We do have someone on stage, and we're going to have a few minutes to answer a few questions for you. So once again, if you are interested and you want to come up on stage, raise your hand. We'll bring you up. But we have Linda. So Linda, welcome to the Living the Law of Action show. And what is your question? Thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate it. It's fascinating to listen to you um, talk. Um, my, my question is, what are the keys that you think make a successful podcast? Uh, so I, so thank you, Linda. Thank you for that question. Um, I, we've had some incredible success early on with our podcast and I, I am saying success by my own measure, not by anybody else's. Right. But I think that a successful podcast is created when you are extremely in touch with the content, like it's something you're really passionate about and it shows or you can hear it. But what the thing that I've done in my own mind is I've created a third person in the room. So it's me and my co-host that do the show, but I've created a third person in that room. And that third person is the audience. And I talk to the third person and I talk for the third person and I pretend like they're there because I want them to be involved with the show. And I've had some interesting feedback. I've had a couple of people, more than a couple actually, tell me that they are yelling at their car stereo or the Amazon speaker or the iPhone, that they are yelling that, Brian, it's this, this is the name of the guy, or Brian, that was the movie. If I can do that, <laughs> if I can engage people in that way, that they're actually physically manifesting the show in their house or in their car, then I think that we're doing a good job. I think we're on the right track. And so I would, no matter what you're doing, whether it's a comedy chat cast or you know, a, a podcast about accounting, I think that um, I think you need to bring that third or that second person into the room with you, and that needs to be your audience. You can engage people like that. You're doing good. I love that. How do you have success in a podcast? Get your listener to yell at the speaker. That's the success That's of podcasting. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if someone's yelling at the podcast, you are doing your job. It's one way or the other, whether they're hate listening or they like you, you're doing your job. Well, it's funny. So I do I do the Hot 50 Countdown with Podcast Magazine. It's the Hot, hot 50 of Podcast Magazine, which you are on, Brian, because your show is so amazing. Yeah. And I got a, I think and it's I'm going to be number one. I'm oh. going to be number one, Rob. I'm telling you this. Oh, I, I know you will. And I'm excited. I'm going to make a big deal out of it. And it's going to be so cool because there's a story about it. And it's so funny. When we first started the show, I got a two-star review. Now, if you've listened to the Living the Law of Action show, if you listen to anything, I am someone with a lot of energy. And this is what they wrote in their review. And then I'll tell you what I said. It was so great. It's kind of like you're yelling at the speaker moment. Yeah, it's okay. I was pretty bored. It's kind of like if I was listening and I'm glad I wasn't driving when I was doing that because I would have fallen asleep and crashed through a guardrail and went off the cliff. Yeah. Eh. And wow. so so I, I screenshotted that and I texted it to Steve Olsher and I said, we've made it. We have our first hater. We're a hit. <laughs> Just like, yeah. Because for him to listen to the show... Yeah, for him to listen to the show and be completely bored by my low energy and poor production skills um, was really amazing because then he took the time to write this review and leave us two stars. And so he was engaged and 
you know, it's awesome. Like, that's awesome. And I had compassion because I'm sorry that his life is so, you know, sad or upset that he has to lash out at someone who's trying to to offer value to his life. And, it, you know, that's another glass, you know, half full as opposed to half empty. I'm sure, I don't think you get any bad reviews, but it's funny to see the reviews that people come in on all things, you know, when you see negative reviews and that they're, they're not, they don't have anything to do with you most of the time. And it's just, it's like, okay, I'm going to make the show better and I don't want to be boring. How do you deal with bad you know, reviews? Do you get them? Do you get hate mail? Yeah, do you, we do. Okay, good. Yeah, I no, figured no, we, we get did. them. All, we yeah. get them all the time. Well, listen, it, we're, we, we also can be provocateurs, right? We're not always, we are, we give our opinions. We try and stay out of politics for the most part because I just don't, there's plenty of people who do that and that's not, I don't need to be yet another shit stirrer in this incredibly crazy amount of voices out there. So we try and stay away from it. But it was hard in 2020 to do that because the election is there. And so much of the content that we want to talk about has to do around the election. So there were times when we ventured into uh, politics and, you know, we don't have to get into it here. But it, but we got and we get a lot of, you know, just haters saying stupid stuff. And it's like you I don't mind the hate listening because I know you're listening. I almost think that my hate listeners probably listen to more of my podcast than the people who actually like me, because that's just the way that people in negative energy are. They want to like, they want to spit venom at you. Yeah. That guy, you know, he's so stupid, blah, 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 blah. Here's the reality is one time, uh, let me give you a quick story. One time we got a, a review. I forget where it was, Podbean or Overcast or somewhere. It's not a review, but that you can leave comments. And the commenter was like, why is that girl on the show? The only thing she does is act like a bimbo and laugh at this guy. And I was like, wow, that is incredibly hateful. And it was, an, it was another girl who was saying this. I, or at least it looked like that from her picture. Wow. And Hoadley and is this beautiful ray of sunshine. She is just a beautiful soul yeah. of a woman. Oh, my God. That's terrible. It was incredibly hateful. Yeah, and I know I almost... You know, they give you the power to delete this stuff on some of these apps, and I almost wanted to delete it because I didn't want Holy to see it because I, uh, I also know her, her mom had just died, and I, I knew she was you know, kind of feeling a little sensitive, and I was like, I don't want her to read this. I wanted to protect her, right? But my instincts told me, no, don't do that, Brian. You know, Good. first of all, you know, let it fly, whatever it is. Um, and Holy read it, and she was like, you know what, Brian? at least we're doing something right. If, if anyone is commenting, we're doing something right. So let's just keep going. And I'm totally handled it the right way. I don't need to be her protector, but it really, some people are just so viscerally angry. They just, they just cannot for the life of them think positively. And we've heard it here on clubhouse, Rob, we've heard these guys, you know, come out here and all they can do is talk about how the ship is sinking. The ship is sinking while we are saying what we're saying is a rising tide floats all boats. And so, oh my God! Say um, that again. That's I've I've never heard that before. What is that? You said what? Rising, rising tide floats all boats. That is amazing. I gotta write that down. Hold on a second. I gotta write that down. Rising <laughs> tide holds all well, boats. All. Oh my God! Yeah, that's go. amazing. I love that. <laughs> hey, oh, that's too funny. Brian, I want to thank you for being yeah. here on the Living the Law of Action show. Now, Brian is all things podcasting. I knew that the question, I, I just had a feeling I said, I know because we're on Clubhouse all the time, always talking about podcasts. And thank you so much, Linda, for jumping up on stage. Brian is an incredibly successful podcaster, so I don't blame you for asking that question. And he's truly, truly inspirational. Brian Green, thank you. 
thank you, thank you for being on the Living the Law of Action show and being my friend. That's like the coolest thing. And how do people reach you if they want to have a further conversation about podcasting or all the different things you're doing, or if they want to buy a building, you know, commercial real estate? How do they reach yeah, no, Brian Green? True. Uh, you can go to at the commercial break on Instagram is it all things podcast related at the commercial break on Instagram. And we will direct you how to get in, in touch with me directly. Or you can just go ahead and email me, Brian at tcbpodcast.com. That's TCB as in the commercial break podcast.com and um, commercial real estate, love, life, podcasting, whatever. Uh, you know, you'll get a hold of me there. And Rob, I want to thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. I am grateful that you. Uh, chose me to spend this time with on a Sunday morning. I love you, brother. Namaste. I love you too, man. Also, thank you, thank you, thank you to the audience that has been hanging out. I really appreciate that. Brian, you're you're a good guy, man. You got a beautiful soul, and I am so thrilled that the universe has allowed me to cross your path and for what's in store for our future. I really want to thank you for that. You're the best, Rob. Thank you. This is a wrap for the Living the Law of Action show recorded live in Clubhouse with a studio audience. I am Rob Actis, and I am thrilled to have you here. Please be sure to do a couple things for me. It will make your life just a little bit better. Take a moment and breathe. Don't let fear stop you. Decide, plan, and act, and live a life of inspired action. You got this. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Living the Law of Action show with Mr. Action, Rob Actis. Please rate, review, and subscribe.